Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. To my successor, whoever he or she may be. Number one, stay close to the Americans. Stick up for the Ukrainians. Stick up for freedom and democracy everywhere. Politics in general has taken total leave of its senses. Changing one man at the top of the Tory party won't make any difference. It won't fix the problems. Let's have a fresh start for Britain. Let's have a real change of government. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Lizzie Burden. And I'm Caroline Hepkip. Coming up on today's programme, the cost of surviving the crisis, not the cost of living, is the real long-term threat that the government needs to deal with. That, according to Bloomberg opinion columnist Therese Raphael, she'll join us to discuss the current state of the UK's prized NHS and, of course, what the Tory party leadership candidates are promising in order to save it. Plus, we get the latest on the race as polling savant John Curtis puts his money behind Liz Truss. And back to the 70s, that's where the economy's taking us. UK data released this week was the worst since recording began. We gather a panel of Bloomberg experts to reflect on the figures. OK, joining us now, Bloomberg's uh, opinion columnist, Therese Raphael. Therese, uh, I mentioned there that you say that actually it's rather short-termist to look at the cost of living crisis as the pressing issue. The longer and deeper threat to the UK is the state of the NHS. Back that up. Why Why is that? I mean, <laughs> looking at energy bills, I'd say that's my biggest concern. Yeah, I mean, definitely pick your crisis and one compounds the other. Um, I guess the difference is that the government has some options or the new government when it when it comes into to office has some options in dealing with the cost of living crisis. Namely, you know, they could go down the route that Keir Starmer is uh, proposing and freeze the price cap. They can offer income support. Um, to people who are worst hit by the cost of living. Um, there will be ways in which individuals will adapt, um, you, you know, turn down the, the heating, don an extra uh, sweater and all of that. So, you know, it, it is a massive problem. Um, I think the 6.6 million and counting waiting for NHS treatment, the um, pretty alarming lengthening of ambulance wait times, the workforce shortages in the NHS, and you can go on and on, and the Mm. string of problems facing the health service is going to really uh, bite in a way this winter that we have not seen before. And there's always an NHS crisis in the winter. We, We write about it every year. We're used to that. It's hitting in the summer this time. It's compounded by um, all of the problems that we're covering from the pandemic and, and continued pandemic, um, you know, legacy from staff burnout to, you know, there are people that are still need to be in hospital with COVID to long COVID and all of those things. So this is a massive problem and there are no quick fixes. You can't simply just, you know, apportion a little bit extra in the budget uh, to, to, to fix that. It's going to require um, 
a strategic rethink. I think it's going to be a huge communications challenge for this government. And mm. it's political dynamite. I think people are going to be very angry, well, the same people that yeah clapped for the NHS very recently. Uh, especially when you hear this phrase, humanitarian crisis. I mean, that's the letter this morning uh, from the chief executive of the NHS Confederation, which represents NHS leaders. I mean, that's the sort of, you know, it's obviously it's got a, a war connotation associated with it. Humanitarian crisis, yeah, it, if action isn't taken. But Therese, the big crisis in the UK is energy, surely. This is the reason why we're having double-digit inflation. This is something that the economists and the government just keep on underestimating. It's the reason that the inflation surge is lasting on and on and on, isn't it? I mean, that that is clearly the top of the entry for the next prime minister is going to be you know, f- figuring out how to deal with en- rising energy prices this winter. And I mean, and it is staggering if you think that, you know, last October, Britain's energy price cap was £1,277. We're looking at over 4000 in January. So that's over 10% of average UK household income. Now, until recently, 10% of over household income was considered fuel poverty. They've sort of changed the fuel poverty definition to broaden it because that just looks, um, you know, well, as alarming as it sounds, but these high, you know, high gas prices, they feed through into electric, electricity prices, pushes up the price for manufacturing inputs, food, and pretty much everything else. So already we have nearly 10 million people across the UK saying they've skipped a meal or cut down on portion sizes because of rising costs. I think you know, over six and a half million were using a food bank or food charity to help them eat. And that was all before energy bills have begun you know, what's going to be a vertiginous rise in prices. So, you know, I think this is, um, you know, as you say, Lizzie, this is the immediate urgency for the next government. Low-income families in particular are more exposed to this cost of living prices, crisis uh, because energy simply comprises a larger share of their expenditure and they don't have the savings buffer that middle-class mm. um, families will have. No, it is staggering, isn't it? I mean, we were talking about the off-chain price cap, about which we'll know more in the coming days very soon, uh, that it might go up 50% or 60%. But this morning on the Bloomberg Terminal, you can read from uh, Auxilium, which is the consultancy firm, that energy bills they expect are going to go up by 80% in October from April, when there had already been a significant rise. And they see next year bills peaking, the average bill peaking at £5,856 in the second quarter. I mean, these are eye-watering sums, really, um, you know, for, the, for the average worker in Britain. So perhaps no surprise that you've got strike action, people demanding more, more money. Look, politically, though, one question is, um, it's, it seems to be over the weeks that the political uh, and, and economic argument has tilted more in favour of Rishi Sunak. And yet in another of your pieces, Therese, you talk about the Conservative Party having gone cold on the former Chancellor. Uh, does he still have a chance? Um, not not if you look at any of the polls that are out. But, uh, Lizzie mentioned uh, John Curtis. I think he gives him about a 5% chance. It really looks like um, Truss has run away with it unless something really uh, you know, unexpected happens in the final week. I think she is the next prime minister. And there's, it's really interesting to think, you know, how why this race has, uh, you know, hasn't even been close. Um, And there are lots of reasons one can posit. Is it, you know, is it 
uh, that Sunak ran a campaign that was really more geared toward a general electorate than the Tory selectorate. Um, you know, trust hit the right notes to the right people at the right time. And, you know, she's, I think, you know, there was a lot of surprise on the upside with her, whereas he came in having been a Tory member favorite for such a long time. But, um, you know, he is now seen as the candidate that, uh, you know, the Brutus to Boris Johnson Caesar. He was he's seen. And, and I don't think this is entirely fair because the party was preparing, uh, you know, to probably change the rules of the 1922 committee and vote, uh, uh, allow the MPs to have another vote, which would almost certainly have, have uh, uh, ended in Johnson's resignation anyhow. But nevertheless, Sunak takes the hit for that. He's seen as disloyal, which is something that Tory members, you know, simply can't tolerate. And, uh, you know, for another a number of reasons, he's, he's I think he's, he's seen as almost, you know, too wealthy, a bit detached from ordinary people's concerns. Um, you know, some have uh, you know, suggested that his, you know, his, his just whole comportment and demeanor doesn't doesn't sit well with a lot of Tory members. But um, well, is this the reason, I suppose is this the McDonald's conversation that we had this morning? Because <laughs> he sat he sat on the sofa. Oh. He went through the kind of difficulty of doing this oh. morning, of course, the breakfast TV show. You know, that puts anybody through their paces to kind of come across well under pressure, and yet his McDonald's item is no longer actually on the menu. I keep saying yeah, he right. needs to lean into this he wears Prada loafers he needs to own it first of all he was pretending to have a car that was cheaper than his own car and now he's pretending that he loves McDonald's it just doesn't look good when you try to be down with the poor he's he's apparently worn a hole through one of the Prada loafers he's been uh, you know trying to to meet as many Tory members as possible yeah I agree I mean I think he has tried to lean into it as as to someone I mean he you know he talks about how you know Boris Johnson has the you know, messy, trussed up hair, and his hair looks like it was combed by his mother, you know, so he's, you know, he, he, he makes jokes about his height and his suits, but I mean, maybe he did have a McDonald's wrap two years ago, and people didn't go to McDonald's a lot during the pandemic, but it really just didn't, a breakfast wrap, but it, it just didn't look good, right, and, you know, it's, uh, it re- reminds me of uh, years ago in the States when I think it was uh, George Bush kind of, you know, didn't know the price of milk or, you uh, you know, you almost have to just acknowledge that these are not people that are going to be at the local grocery store <laughs> the way the rest of us are. But mm. I wonder what could turn it around, because I was saying to Caroline earlier, uh, there was, if we remember when Andrea Ledson made that blunder talking about mm. how she would be a better leader than uh, Theresa May mm. because she had children, yeah. you know, that mm. kind of Ouch blew moment. her out of the water. Does Liz Truss need to make a faux pas like that for Rishi Sunak to stand a chance? Or strategically, could he refocus the debate on energy because Truss seems to be winning the debate on tax cuts, at least among the Tory grassroots. Is there anything he could do to turn this around, Therese? Yeah, Lizzie, it's it's a hard one because, you know, there's always the possibility of some black swan uh, kind of event or a major blunder. I mean, the Ledsom one was fairly early in, I guess, in in that leadership race. It was still at the MP stages. Truss has just been owning this for so long she you know she she performed well during the debates she's she's not even on the hustings that much now compared to sunak i mean his camp still say that they're in with the champs that they're getting positive responses and i guess you know this is a very 
hard uh, group of people to really poll. So I guess we never really know until the end. But I, I feel like her campaign has been extremely disciplined and on message. It's a high wire act. It's a very risky campaign because, you know, her first hundred days in office are, are just going to be uh, a, uh, a barrage of, you know, reality checks uh, against those promises, particularly on tax cuts. Um, and yes, he could, you know, he, he may, probably was mistaken in fighting this on her grounds and basically yeah, saying, yeah. I am the candidate that's telling you the truth and she's making promises that she can't fulfill. And, you know, people really wanted to hear the promises, it seems. Therese Raphael, Bloomberg's opinion columnist on what sounds a bit like a done deal. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Inflation's now in double digits. Consumer confidence is absolutely plunged. And yes, the retail sales figures are holding up, but only barely. Well, let's not forget what double digit inflation means for people. It means that they're choosing between heating and eating, as we heard so much. That's going to have knock on effects for the NHS. And so they're probably going to have even more of a problem. And then you've got two leadership candidates uh, who are talking about having to make all these tax cuts. Surely they're going to have to make government cuts as well will there be cutbacks in the nhs it all ties together yeah absolutely i mean the nhs already sort of sounding the alarm bells about what the winter is going to be like i mean that consumer confidence figure is the lowest since records began in 1974 uh lizzie you asked me off the record what year i was born in uh it was after 1974 so i don't actually remember the 70s i was born in 77 i don't remember the 70s the closest i can get though are the anecdotes that my parents had and remember my parents are kind of children of the 60s they're quite sort of lefty Londoners in a way but all they talk about from the 70s is paying 15% interest rates and um, taxes being jacked up suddenly and sharply and how it was a really difficult time in some senses but I think perhaps time has dulled that memory and nobody remembers the 70s, really, that is working now. Well, yeah, my parents didn't live in the UK at that time, so I don't, I don't know what they would have said. But 
I gr- graduated after the financial crisis and then we've had Brexit. Yeah. I feel like for my generation, it's just been crisis after crisis, but I have no memory of the 70s. Yeah, absolutely. You know, graduating, I think, into, you know, one of the biggest financial crises in like 100 years is pretty gruesome. Um, yeah, so to think that things are as bad as they were in the 70s and that we're not in recession. Remember, we still have employment in the UK. I think these are... Staggering problems. Remember, Boris Johnson has just gone, having dealt with, again, a hundred year issue, the pandemic. This summer, we're seeing hundred year heat waves. There are so many very significant issues that either Liz Truss, probably Liz Truss, it would seem now, uh, or Rishi Sunak will have to deal with come September. Does that really need some bigger, longer term solutions than they've been offering so far? Yeah. And when you step back from the inflation and jobs data that we've had this week, yes, regular, real regular pay growth has fallen by the most on record 3%. But let's remember, for now, at least people have got jobs. Yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be perhaps a very, very difficult autumn and winter. Well, we were having this conversation with two really big brains here at Bloomberg. Manus Cranny and I were speaking to our senior UK economist, Dan Hansen, and our senior executive editor, David Merritt, about the state of the economy. Are we right to be so pessimistic, so doom and gloom? We started off by talking about why the retail sales figures actually looked a bit better than people had been expecting. Have a listen. I think there's there's been this tension in the UK data for the past past few months, really. That sentiment data, particularly from the consumer side, has been extremely weak. But actually, if you look at the hard data, it's been a little bit stronger. And I think what that tells us is that at the moment, at least, the UK economy is just about keeping keeping sort of its head above water, and there there's probably a little bit of growth momentum there. But I think as we move into the second half of the year, and remember, consumers with the sentiment survey there's forward-looking elements of that as we move into the second half of the year and we know this big energy price spike is coming i think essentially you're going to see consumers run out of steam and the economy is going to really really sort of take a turn so i think the way to think about it is that things are probably holding up okay now but as we move forward things are going to sort of take a turn and that's what the the sentiment data and the confidence data is telling us David, let's bring you into the conversation here. Obviously, that consumer confidence is the lowest since 1974. I got one email in my inbox from Societe Generale, and they talked about a pound called Malice, and the Falkland Wars hadn't even started at that juncture. That was 1982. Um, Are we going back to the 80s, David Merritt, in terms of uh, a more bruising time for the UK economy and the currency? Well, you know, um, it's a good question, Manus, and and I think, you know, that confidence number is pretty shocking isn't it going back back to the 70s um we've talked a lot haven't we in recent uh, months about uh, a return in the 70s stagflation you know mm-hmm. surging energy costs um uh, choking off growth but it feels like we're there I, I mean as dan mentioned we're not uh, there's a sort of sense of, of, of doom on the horizon isn't there you know the, the economy as he says is sort of keeping its head above the water but we know there are huge problems to come this winter um, energy being the biggest one of all. Um, how are people going to afford these huge increases in their energy bills? Um, and what's that going to mean for the rest of the economy? Um, no one can really answer that question. The government haven't yet said, uh, and of course, we don't know what government we're going to have, of course, uh, but the competing um, Tory leaders, uh, the contenders for the Tory leadership, the prime ministership haven't really spelt out how they're going to be able to support households 
into the autumn. So there's a there, there are big storm clouds coming, um, and I think that is reflected in that confidence number. You know, the, the data right now not so bad, but the confidence for the rest of the year is looking pretty shocking and pretty unprecedented. You know, not not many of us can really remember being in a situation where inflation is so high um, and consumer confidence is quite so low. No. Dan, who solves this? Who has the tools, the Bank of England or the next Conservative Prime Minister? I mean, it's fiscal policy has to has to address this. The Bank of England has a very, very blunt tool in interest rates. And the, the point of interest rates is to keep inflation under control. And it, it's got a, a massive challenge on that front. What, what the next prime minister has to do is set out a, a, a very clear plan to deal with this. And, you know, we we haven't really heard, as, as David said there, we haven't really heard what, what they'll do. I don't think they've quite grasped um, how serious this is. Um, We've had the borrowing numbers as well this morning, and it, mm. it really there is this there's this tension, isn't there? There's we need to suppose well, if you're going to support the economy, you're going to have to spend a lot of money. But the borrowing numbers, and because of inflation, the borrowing numbers are looking increasingly worse. And it, in some ways, that's what you know one point towards Rishi Sunak. This is the argument he's been peddling. You know, fiscal responsibility. If you're going to do something, you have to be you have to make it targeted, and it has to be temporary. And that's that's what he's been saying. Liz Trust has been, you know, talking about these tax cuts. But I think, you know, she she looks like she's going to become the next prime minister if you believe the polls. And you know, I think she's going to have to look very carefully at the sort of measures that Sunak's been talking about as well. These targeted measures because the tax cuts are, are essentially too blunt to deal with this. Okay, well, let, David, let's just finish off with you briefly. By the way, I should remind our audience that in 1992, I did have a mortgage and it was 15. percent So therein lies the point, there we which go. is. <laughs> <laughs> which is there we go do you think that the market has penciled in 200 basis points of hikes between now and next year do you think the uk economy could even remotely take that briefly well you know it's going to have to isn't it you know something something needs to shift i think mm -hmm. there is a kind of a reckoning that needs to happen with the politicians we are in this limbo at the moment that's the problem we don't know the the the, the two leadership contenders are, are speaking to their constituencies in the in the Tory party they're not talking to the, to the economy as a whole and we're going to have to wait till for a few more weeks. We're going to have some sort of emergency budget, I think. That is clear later in September, where they're going to have to come up with a plan to deal with this. Um, but there's going to be a lot of pain. You know, uh, mortgage rates are going to go up. Uh, consumers are going to feel it in their pockets. Um, and what is the government going to do to support everyone? And where's the money coming from? In, you know, Liz Trust talking about tax cuts, interest rates, uh, so interest payments, as Dan mentioned, are going through the roof. There is not um, infinite amounts of money and something's got to give. Um, in terms of um, the UK's performance, Dan, versus other countries, I mean, Europe is also in an energy crunch and facing similar kind of energy concerns. Is, you know, I suppose, how do we score the UK uh, economically in terms of the G7? There was a lot of crowing about the UK's um, you know, positive growth story uh well, last year, effectively, and being at the top of the G7 table, now we're at the bottom. Yeah, that, I mean, that's right. I mean, I think we, were, we will slip down, you know. I mean, part of the reason why we, it looked so good last year was because it, the economy fell so deeply in 2020. So we had a lot more ground to make up. So the growth rates looked a lot stronger. Um, if you look at levels, the, the, the levels of GDP, things looked a, a lot more sim a lot similar across countries. I mean, the US was miles ahead, and that's due to the, the fiscal stimulus that, that came in there. I mean, I think looking into 
looking into next year or the end of this year and into next year, we've got in our in our team, our European team, see a recession at the end of this year in Europe. We think there'll be a recession in the UK as well. Um, we think it'll be a little bit deeper in the UK, um, partly because of what the Bank of England is going to have to do uh, to rein in inflation. The inflation problem is bigger here. It's not just an energy problem. It's a labour market problem as well. So I think what you're going to see is the UK slip to the to the bottom of the table. I mean, in annual terms, we've got a we've got a 0.6% fall in GDP over 2023 as a whole. The Bank of England have got nearly a one and a half percent fall over 2023 as a whole. Um, so you know, I think you're going to see a, a, a quite a quite a big negative negative number for 2023 growth. Okay, that was Manus Cranny and I speaking to Bloomberg Senior UK Economist Dan Hansen and our Senior Executive Editor uh, David Merritt. So perhaps difficult times ahead. And having said that, there are yet more hostings for Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss. So they're still going out there, you know, thrashing it out for what is likely to be an immensely difficult job. Going all around the country. I think it ends in London. Uh, and then finally, we get the ballots closing in September. September the 5th, we'll find out who's won. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.